but you have not so learned Christ. If so be that you have heard him, have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning the former manner of life, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another, and don't lose your temper, be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more. Rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, it may minister grace unto the hearers. Let all bitterness, and wrath, and anger, and clamor, evil speaking, be put away from you with all malice. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, a man who was faithful in teaching the Word of God for more than 60 years throughout the Northwest. The name of our study, The Unchanging Word, highlights the fact that God's Word has not changed. What God reveals in His written Word was true in the past, is still true today, and will be true tomorrow. The truth in God's Word was, is, and always will be true. God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Life begins at Calvary, there my Savior died. He took my place and by His grace came with me to abide. All I need for living is mine by just believing. Life begins at Calvary, life that never Our study in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 20 through 29 continues here on the Unchanging Word Bible broadcast. Now these verses present the contrast and the distinction of the lifestyle of the one who knows Jesus Christ, who has learned Christ, just as the truth is in Jesus. The contrast from the previous verses of the unsaved is shown here in verses 20 through 29. Here the Apostle Paul exhorts the believer to a lifestyle which corresponds to his position in Christ. Well, Dr. Mitchell here in Ephesians chapter 4 verses 20 through 29 exhorts us to walk as new creations in Christ. Here's Dr. Mitchell. Good day. We come to you again with studies in the book of Ephesians. I count it a real privilege to come to you day after day in your home, your office, your car, wherever you are, share with you some of these wonderful truths that are given to us in the Word of God. I'm very, very much burdened these days that God's people, that is, those who have really put their trust in the Savior, come to that place of maturity in Christ, where they will not only know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, but as the one who is the Lord of their life, a time when the will of the Lord and the purpose of the Lord will be outworked brought out, shall I say, in the lives of each one of us. Now, we're dealing in Ephesians 4 with the fact that we are to walk in a new creation. In verses 17 through 19, we took up the fact in our last lesson of how the unsaved walk. And you remember there were seven things or so given in those verses. I'm not going to go back over them except to say they, were, they walked in the vanity of their mind, their understanding was darkened, they were separated from the life of God. 
to a past feeling having given themselves over to outrageous conduct and so on. No wonder when I think of that, no wonder God demands a new creation. God doesn't patch us up when we come to him with our sins. He forgives us our sins and makes us new creatures in Christ. Remember, you find that in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So we come on down to verse 20. We are not, we have not so learned Christ. We never learned these things from the Savior. Now starting in at verse 22, verse 21, pardon me, and reading on down through, we have the walk of the new man. Just very simply, verses 21 to 24. If so be that you have heard him, that is, heard Christ, have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning the former manner of life, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Let me just stop here for a moment. Here we have the new man, a life that is absolutely divorced from the old. You see, you've got the old man is all that we were in Adam. Let us, let's make these things very clear. The old man is all that we were in Adam. You remember Romans 6, because verse 6, I think it is, our old man was crucified with Christ. God has no, uh, what shall I say, he has no expectation from the old man. The old man, as far as God's concerned, is past saving. So when a person comes to the Savior, God gives to us a new man. The old man is corrupt. You have this in verse 22. The old man is corrupt according to deceitful lusts. And we, we put on a new man. We're no longer related to the old, but to Christ himself, the last Adam. And the old and the new, they just don't mix, my friend. They just don't mix. God doesn't take the old and patch it up. As I said a moment ago in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things have passed away. All things have become new. Likewise, for example, in Galatians 6, 15, remember 14 says, God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified to me and I to the world. Therefore, uh, being a Jew or a Gentile profits nothing, but a new creation. In fact, when you come to 1 Peter chapter 2, the ninth verse informs us that we ought to show forth, show forth something of Christ in our lives. This is what the world wants to say. This is what you want to say. It's what I want to say. That everyone who professes the name of Christ, he's not going to live in the old, he's going to live in the new. And this calls for action. That you put off, verse 22, that you put off just as you used your will to accept the Savior. Likewise, it calls for the will to put off as a definite proposition you put off the old manner of life which you had before you were saved. And you put them off with all his deeds. 
corrupt according to deceitful lusts. So I suggest when you think of this, we're dealing with a tremendous thing to put off the old man with his deeds and put on the new man which is created in righteousness and true holiness. You see, friends, our old man was crucified with Christ. The death of Christ severed the relationship between the Christian and the old race. The old race is dead in sin. It's corrupt. doesn't know God. We had that in verses 17 to 19. You belong to a new race. You belong to a new family. You've got a new nature. As 2 Peter 1, 4 says, we're partakers of the divine nature. Something entirely new. We were born with a sinful nature. Now we've got a new nature. And it's created in righteousness and true holiness. Now the old life was evidenced by corruption, by deceitful lusts. Deceit tyrannizes the old. Truth guides and governs the new man. So we ought to put on the new man. And as it says here in verse 24, you put on the new man. That calls for the will too. Who after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Well, what a contrast. In verse 22, the old man is corrupt. The new man is righteous and holy. So I just say very simply, if I claim to belong to the Savior, then my life ought to be evidenced by righteousness and true holiness. The old is corrupt, the new is righteous. Then how should I walk? That's very obvious. I ought to do right in any given circumstance. You see, well, Mr. Mitchell, I'm so weak. I'm just so weak. Well, that may be true. There's not one of us that having some weaknesses. You may have yours, I may have mine. But what I'm really getting after today is this fact. The old, which we were before we were saved, and the new, this new nature we have in Christ, are absolutely the divorce to one from the other. They can't mix up. And the moment I say and profess and bear testimony that I love the Savior, that I'm trusting him in my life, it should show forth the praises of him who called me out of darkness into his marvelous light. And I'm no longer in the kingdom of darkness where death and sin reigns. I'm in a new, a new kingdom where love reigns, where righteousness and holiness is the order of the day. Don't be afraid of those two words. Righteousness. God is righteous. God is holy. And if I claim to be a child of God, and if I'm a new man in Christ, then there should be manifested in my life and in your life something of the very righteousness and holiness of God. Now that's, that's very, and just in principle I'm saying that. I'm well aware of the fact we have our frailty, our weaknesses, our failures. Remember again, they do not affect his love for us, but it can break our fellowship with him. And just as I was saved, my mind and my will and my emotions were concerned. And by the way, that's true of every person who was saved. With your mind, you see the truth. With your will, you do something about it. And when you do something about it, your emotions are, are involved. So likewise here, 
When I, with my mind, I see the fact that I'm a new man in Christ, that I've got a new nature created in Christ Jesus, and this new nature is righteous and holy. Then my will comes into the foreground and says, that's how I should live. And the Spirit of God is indwelling us to do just that thing. Then my emotions are affected. I'd be filled with peace, filled with joy, blessing, become useful. Now he follows along with the walk of this new man. In verse, in verse uh, 25, right down to verse 32. Let's look at this for a moment. Now as the new man, you put on the new man in verse 24, which is created after God in righteousness and truthfulness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. And don't lose your temper. Be, not, be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more. Rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, it may minister grace unto the hearers. And then verse 31, that all bitterness, and wrath, and anger, and clamor, evil speaking, be put away from you with all malice. I said a while ago to put off the old man with his deeds. Well, here are some of his deeds. How can I put them off? Well, he names a few things. First of all, we should stop. Some of the things we should stop doing, 25 to 29. Some things we should stop doing. First of all, put away lying. Why? His answer is because we belong one to the other. Don't deceive each other. Do you mean to tell me that that is sometimes manifested among God's people? I'm sorry to say that's true. I'm sorry to say that lying, cheating, deceiving, I'm afraid it's too common a sin, even among professing Christians. Oh, but you see, we must use wisdom. Yes, but lying is not using wisdom. And when you lie about a brother, my friend, you're beginning to destroy the body of Christ. Put away lying. It doesn't belong to the church of Christ. Put away lying because we are righteous. We're holy in Christ. Then in verse 26, Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. What in the world are you talking about? Don't lose control of yourself. Don't let your indignation against somebody else carry on through the day until you sin. Don't bear a grudge. Quench every spark of anger. You know, some people get mad, lose their temper, and they call it righteous indignation. That's an excuse. Uh, you say, well, I wouldn't want anybody but what has a little temper. Well, we've all got temper. Is it controlled? Some are pretty, pretty fast on the trigger. Uh, some have got a chip on their shoulder all the time. Some people very easily lose their temper. Don't carry it through. Don't carry it through. Don't let your, your temper be, come to the place where it becomes a sin. That's what he's talking about. And 
don't bear a grudge. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Don't you bear a grudge. Don't nurse your anger. This opens the door to the devil. And remember this. Remember this. If you've got something against your brother, be reconciled to him. Don't give the devil any place in your life. No opportunity to deceive you. That's why I said a while ago, don't nurse a grudge. Don't nurse your anger. This opens the door, I repeat it, this opens the door for the devil to come in and cause you to sin. Break up the fellowship with your brethren. Cause the world to rejoice that you're no different to them. Believe me, my friend, the world is very, very quick. How well I know it. The world is very quick to begin to judge a Christian when he does something wrong, especially in this question of losing your temper. How well we know it. My friend, give no place to the devil. Don't give him an opportunity to use your frailty to cause you to sin. Break your fellowship with the Savior. Satan knows that if he can break your fellowship with Christ, he knows how you're going to live. May God grant to you and to me we walk day after day trusting the Savior. And if you say to me, Mr. Mitchell, you know, I never lose my temper. Don't you be too sure about that. May I say this very frankly? Where a Christian feels he's the strongest in his walk and conversation among men, that could be his weakest point. You know why? He doesn't trust the Savior to carry him through. He trusts himself, and first thing you know, he fails. Oh, how true that is. Don't you boast about strength of character if you're not walking with God. If you and I as Christians do not walk in fellowship with the Lord day after day, the door is open for the devil to come in and, and do things in your life and my life that will be displeasing to God and cause the devil to glory over the people of God. It's a very practical thing. And he goes on to say in verse 28, and here is the true motive for labor. Let him that stole steal no more. But rather let him labor. Let him get a job. Working with his hands the thing which is yours. Why? That he may have to give to him that needeth. So you have something to give to somebody. Instead of stealing, you'll have something to give to somebody else who's in need. I say here's a true motive for labor. It's better to give than it is to receive. And the remedy for stealing is industry with a view to generosity. I would like to repeat that statement. The remedy against stealing is industry. Get a job with a view of having something to give to somebody else with a view to generosity. And then he says in verse 29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, it may administer grace to the hearers. Now notice this. Let your speech be used for edification. You know, in Colossians 4, 6, Paul says, let our speech be seasoned with salt. You know, sometimes people's speech is seasoned with pepper. They just bite your head off. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Huh? I don't mean you, of course. I mean the other fellow. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying the other brother. 
It's always a sad thing. In fact, it hurts me when I hear Christians tell some off-color story. Don't let corrupt communication come out of your mouth. If you've got something dirty in your mind, you better come to the Lord and be cleansed. Let it never come out of your mouth. Because why? You'll defile somebody else. You see, no man lives to himself and no man dies to himself. How God wants us to so live that we'll be pleasing to him. Edify, edify the other children of God. So don't allow corrupt communication, corrupt stories, licentious things, whatever it may be, to come out of your mouth. Lying, cheating, deceiving, whatever it may be. And then verse 31, that all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speeding be put away from you with all malice. Oh, let all bitterness, sourness, irritability, do you know what I mean? You get irritated, sourness, bitter. Oh, my, some people can get bitter. It spoils everything around them. You know that? When you get bitter, you make somebody else better. And then he goes on to say, wrath, that's in the sense of resentment. Anger speaks of hostility. Clamor, brawling, loud scolding. Evil speaking, foul slander, slandering somebody. Malice is a vicious disposition. Oh, God, deliver us from these things. Bitterness, resentment, anger, hostility, clamor, there's brawling and fighting, evil speaking, like blasphemy or foul slander, say things you know are not true about somebody else. Malice, vicious, vicious thing, vicious disposition. You know, I, I don't say this to you folk today. You and I can't afford to be bitter. When you are bitter against the mother child of God, you are the loser. You are the loser. But in so doing, you defile somebody else. Please, Christian friend, I'm appealing to you today. Let us put on the new man who was created in righteousness and true holiness. And if our life, if our lives have not been putting on the new man, manifesting something of the graces and love of the Savior. God grant that starting from today, we're going to live for the glory of God. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Wouldn't that be wonderful? And if you're bitter against somebody, let's get things straightened out. Ask the Lord to take all bitterness out of your mind. If you're vicious, you mean tell me that Christians can be vicious? Yes. Christians can be cruel. They don't mean to be cruel, but they can be cruel. They can be cruel with other Christians. I know what I'm talking about. I haven't lived in this world that long, but I don't know some things. I'll tell you, my friend, the thing that breaks a man's heart is to see how some Christians conduct their lives. And I'm appealing to you for the glory of Christ, for the sake of weak Christians, and for the sake of your witness to the world that we put on the new man who was created in righteousness and true holiness. And take this passage and, and put away your lying, put away deceit, and, and control your temper, and don't give place to the devil, and, and, and be able to give to somebody who's in need, and let all bitterness and wrath and all these things be put away from you with all malice. And 
God grant you and I'll be men and women of God, revealing something of the wonderful character and heart of the Savior. Now the Lord bless you today. If you're out of fellowship with God, remember he's got a program for you. Confess your sin. He knows all about it. And he's waiting with arms outstretched, believer, to cleanse you from all unrighteousness and restore you back into intimate fellowship with himself. Now you do that today. And the Lord bless you. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim. In the light of his glory. you for listening to the Unchanging Word Bible Study today. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Bible Broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.